Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ladies and gentlemen, thrilled to have you here for this epic debate. This is going to be a fun one, folks. And want to let you know if it's your first time here at Modern Day Debate, we are a neutral platform hosting debates on science, religion, and politics. And we want to let you know, no matter what walk of life you are from, we really do hope you feel welcome, folks. So welcome Thrilled to have you here for this epic event. It's going to be a lot of fun and also want to let you know a few things up front. If you love controversial debates, if you're sick in the head like us and you love juicy debates that push the envelope, well, want to let you know, consider hitting that subscribe button as we have many more controversial debates to come. As you'll see, for example, at the bottom right of your screen, we are thrilled that next January on the 8th, which is a Friday, we are going to be hosting... Dr. Michael Shermer, New York Times bestseller, and you could say hugely popular Christian apologist, YouTuber, inspiring philosophy, Mike Jones, will be debating whether or not Christianity is dangerous. And huge update, you guys. We are really excited about this. Last night, we hit the goal for our Kickstarter. We are thrilled. So that debate is for sure happening. I'd still encourage you to sign up as that's going to help us. We're, we're basically right now, I'm getting feedback from people on what we'll actually use. We're doing a stretch goal. Basically, we're trying to go beyond our original goal of 2,500, which you see there on the meter on the far right of your screen. And want to let you know, we are now going for a total of 3,000. And so we'll be using that for potentially another monster debate. We'll keep you updated as I get feedback from others on that. So with that, want to let you know we are thrilled to have our guests here. Oh, and the last thing about the Kickstarter is linked in the description, just so you do know. And our guests, I'm very excited about this. We've never had this topic, and we also have two articulate quick on their feet guests. I want to read you a quick bio from Dr. Sungenis. I appreciate your patience with me. As I think, I hope, forgive me, let me know if I've got it right that time, Dr. Sungenis. <laughs> You're doing well. Sungenis, uh, thank you very much. We want to give you a quick biography reading. First, Robert is an international author, lecturer, debater, producer, and founder of Catholic Apologetics International Publishing, a nonprofit corporation dedicated to teaching and defending the Catholic faith. He holds advanced degrees in theology and religious studies from George Washington University, Westminster Theological Seminary, and, oh, this is another one. Let me know if I pronounce, is it Calamus International University? That's right. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And so, do encourage you to check out both of our guest links. You have seen Leophilius here before. We're thrilled to have you back, Leophilius. But what I want to do is first is ask, guys, we're, we're thrilled to have you. Thanks so much for being here. So we'll start with Dr. Sungenis. We are thrilled to have you. What can people expect to find at your link that I put in the description? Uh, which link is that? <laughs> Let me we have several. Double check. It was the one that your secretary sent to me, but I'm going to double check just to be sure I've got the name of it. Well, I can give you, you know, the rundown of all 
three of them if you want. I've got journey to the center of the universe.com. Yeah, that that has all our uh, science issues, um, our DVDs, CDs, books dealing with creationism, geocentrism, cosmology in general, physics in general. Uh, nothing theological there. Uh, the other uh, link is robertsongenis.org.com.net, and that deals with all the other issues. Uh, related to my degrees in theology, politics, culture, things of that nature. You bet. Thank you very much, Dr. Sungenis. And we'll kick it over to Leo. He has been here before. He is articulate. He's fast on his feet. Leo, we are thrilled to have you back. Can you share what people can expect Otters. to find? Hey, absolutely. And can you share what people can expect to find at your link in the description below? So that would be a link to my YouTube channel. And there I... Um... I correct pseudoscientific misinformation um, just because I feel that that needs to be done. A lot of people in a scientific community, actual professionals, they either don't do it or they're too technical and too, too formal when they do it. So I am engaged in a lot of science education, science communication, mainly with a focus on astrophysics, cosmology, and quantum mechanics. I also do a little bit of creationism and intelligent design busting on a good friend of mine's channel. The channel would be Speed of Sound of Gravity. Um, that's that's about it. I might do a little bit of politics on my channel. Haven't uh, haven't gotten that far yet, but hope I can get get a little bit of politics out there as well. You got it. Well, thanks so much. And with that, we technically usually have the affirmative go first. In this case, given that the question is the Earth the center of the solar system, or more broadly, universe, it would be Dr. Sungenis. However, it's up to you guys if you guys have a preference on Leo going first instead. I would prefer uh, Robert go first because he is taking he is taking the affirmative if that sparkles with him. You bet. Well, Robert, the floor is all yours. Thanks so much. And I've got the timer set. Want to let you know, folks, our format will be roughly 10 to 12 minutes from each side, followed by open discussion for maybe about 50 minutes or so on average, and then about 30 minutes of Q&A. So if you have a question, feel free to fire it into the old live chat at Modern Day Debate. Thanks so much. And Robert, the floor is all yours. Okay. Um, well, let me just say, first of all, that I know that when people first hear this topic, that the Earth is in the center of the universe, you know, all kinds of bells and whistles go off. And they did with me when I was first introduced to this. Um, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. You know, I don't believe the Earth is flat. I don't believe there's Martians. You know, I don't believe in a lot of things that are tossed around today. But I have a special interest for geocentrism because as we know our history, the church can took this on with Galileo, my Catholic church, and condemned the idea of heliocentrism or Copernicanism and stuck with the traditional view of geocentrism. Now the view there was the Ptolemaic view. Um, that, that, can, that can be shown to be Although close, it's wrong because it puts Mars and Venus in the wrong place. And then we had the Tychonic geocentric system come along around the 1500s. And what this did was it just inverted the Copernican system. Instead of having the sun and the planets go around the earth, 
it had the sun go around the earth, but the planets went around the sun. And if you know anything about this topic, you'll understand that that's just an inversion. And um, it also developed later into the neotychonic view that allowed us to have an answer for stellar parallax and stellar aberration, things like that. And they're, they're important because they were used as proof for the heliocentric system, at least until society was taught that the geocentric system under the neotychonic model has its own stellar aberration and its own stellar parallax. It can, it can show those just as well as the heliocentric system. So as the heliocentric system went through phases, like when we first had it, we had um, Pythagoras who believed that the center was a big fireball and that the sun went around that. And then we had Aristarchus of Samos, the Greek from the third century BC. And he basically has the, the fundamentals of the Copernican system that was followed before Copernicus came along somewhat 1800 years later. And Copernicus basically got his model from Aristarchus. And, but Copernicus's model didn't work too well because he wanted the planets to go around in circles perfect circles around the sun. And about 100 years later, Kepler came along and made them into elliptical orbits. And that got closer to what we see in the sky, but it's still not perfect, actually. A lot of people don't know that, but it's not perfect. Um, but so as the heliocentric system had, has, has had development, so the geocentric system has had developments. And the latest model now is the uh, neotychonic model. Um, it's easy to say it, it's not easy to explain it, but um, basically the earth is the center of mass for the universe. It's not the geometric center. The geometric center for the universe is the sun. And that means that the stars are aligned with the sun and both of them go around the earth, which is the center of mass. In order for that to happen, the whole universe has to rotate around the earth once per day. Now, again, when people hear that, they, you know, all the flags go up and, and they say, well, that just can't be. Usually, and, and I would say probably 95% of the time, the person that says that has never studied it. And sometimes I like to compare it to the flat earth because although the flat earth is wrong. It's not easy to get there. Let's put it that way. If you've ever studied, I wrote a 700 page book called Flat Earth, Flat Wrong, showing that from science, from history, and from the Bible, the earth is not flat, it's a sphere. But in some places, that's hard to show, okay? Like if you're trying to look over Lake Michigan at the Chicago skyline, from the other side of Lake Michigan. Yeah, it does drop down 900 feet, <laughs> okay? So, but the trick is explaining that. The way to explain it, it's not because the earth is flat, it's because the air is refracted, okay? So we can, you can get to it, but it takes some knowledge of science in order to get to that position. It's the same with geocentrism. You just can't come into it with a knee-jerk reaction and say, oh, well, that's impossible. You know, the sun's bigger than the earth. And that means the, the earth must revolve around the sun. 
yeah, well, that's the way it used to be in Newton's world, okay? Um, Newton himself admitted that if we include the rest of the universe and the forces that come from the universe, we could have a geocentric universe, the earth in the center and everything going around it. He admitted that, okay? As did Albert Einstein, admitted the same thing. As a matter of fact, Albert Einstein said that Newton had a defect in his mechanics because he wouldn't allow the universe to be involved in calculating what the forces are going to be that determine what goes around what, okay? And most people just don't know this. I've talked to physicists who are experts in special and general relativity who don't know this because they've never been taught it. But if you read Einstein's actual works, that's what you find. And if you read Newton's actual works, that's what you find, okay? It was easy for Newton to have F equals MA and F equals GMM over R squared because he confined his model to our solar system. And if you do that, well, yeah, I would admit the earth has to go around the sun. If the, if the model you choose is the solar system and you exclude everything else, that's the model you're going to end up with. But 200 years later, a guy named Ernst Mach came along. He's the guy that, you know, we, we named the speeds of jets from Mach 1, Mach 2. Um, Ernst Mach said, well, Newton cannot make that assumption that you can exclude the rest of the universe. You see, in order for a Newton system to work, he had to have an absolute. And absolute space was one of his first absolutes he had to have. And he also had to have absolute time. And in order to have that, your universe has to be inert. It can't move. It can't have any function that's going to impinge on our solar system, you see. So that system was the going system for 200 years. It was supported by all the philosophers, Immanuel Kant, everybody. And Newton became a household name because of that. And as I said, Ma came along and said, well, you can't have Newton's system because you're making an assumption without any empirical evidence, okay? How does he know that the universe doesn't move? You just can't assume that and then work out all your equations so that they fit your model. You have to include the universe and if the universe can move and it's not inert, that means it can rotate. And if it rotates, that means the earth can be stable, fixed and not move. And so basically you would have an inversion. Instead of having an earth rotating in a fixed universe, you would have the universe rotating around a fixed earth. This is what started the whole idea of relativity. Einstein, when he came along, was enamored with Mach. His, his whole special relativity, his whole concept of relativity was based on Ernst Mach. And so if you look at Einstein's general relativity, which is ironic because we have to go to general relativity to find support from Einstein for geocentrism, whereas his previous theory, the special theory of relativity invented in 1905, was invented precisely to keep the earth moving when all the experiments that were performed in the 1800s by Arago in 1810s, by uh, George Bedell Airy in the 1870s, 
by Michael Morley in 1887, they were all showing the earth wasn't moving. And basically the science community was scratching its head. How are we going to explain this? Because we've believed in heliocentrism since the time of Galileo, for Pete's sake. And all of a sudden we have these experiments showing that the earth could be fixed in space. Well, Einstein invented his special relativity in order to fix that problem. And in, in special relativity, the, the speed of light becomes constant and therefore the earth can move. If he had made the speed of light not constant and allowed the earth to be constant, that is not fixed, that would be the other solution to the problem. But of course we can't have that, you see, because we're all Copernicans, we're all enlightened, we're, we've been through the enlightenment and we're all smarter than the guys that came before us. And so we have to pick the system that keeps the earth moving. And so that means the speed of light has to be constant. And that means length has to contract when an object moves. Time has to dilate when an object moves and its mass has to increase. That's special relativity in a nutshell. All created to try to answer those experiments that saw the earth fixed. 10 years later, Einstein invents another theory, the general theory of relativity. This theory was almost the direct opposite of special relativity because it allowed the speed of light to not be constant. Light can move at any speed. The general relativity theory said that material objects can move at any speed. And that becomes important because one of the first objections you get when someone is confronted with geocentrism is, well, how do all those stars and stuff go around the earth so fast? Well, go look at general relativity because that's what it says it can do. That's where I got it from, okay? Again, most people don't know that because they haven't been educated. That's what the theory of general relativity says. Light can go any speed, material objects can go any speed. So voila, we have a geocentric universe, okay? As a matter of fact, the whole concept of relativity demands that you have either a fixed earth and a rotating universe or a fixed universe with a rotating earth, one or the other. And these, this whole concept of allowing both of them to have viability is based on the co-equivalence and covariance equations of Einstein's general relativity theory, okay? So if anybody <laughs> comes up to you and says, well, geocentrism is impossible, then they haven't read Albert Einstein's thesis on this whole thing, okay? So basically what happened was the general theory of relativity was a complete contradiction to the special theory of relativity. That's another secret they don't let you know. In special relativity, speed of light is constant in an inertial frame. In general relativity, there are no inertial frames. They're not inertial. And that means light does not have to be constant and material objects are not limited to 186,000 miles per second, okay? They can go at any speed. So how much time do I have left? A couple of minutes or what? You keeping time at all? James, are you there? Yeah, he a minute, okay. So, you know, and then, so here, here you come with general relativity. It basically, says to us, either one can be correct, 
the, the geocentric or the heliocentric. We just can't tell you which one it is because our whole theory is based on relativity, not absolutes, you see. So uh, if you don't have an absolute, you're, you don't have any basis to judge. So how do you do it? Well, we can go to stellar parallax or stellar aberration. Well, no, you can't do that anymore because the geocentric model has shown by the neo-tychonic model that stellar parallax and stellar aberration are no longer proofs for heliocentrism, okay? Or you can go to the, the bulge of the earth, somebody might say, you know, where we know that the earth is, has a greater circumference at its equator than it does at the polar uh, uh, circumference. Well, you can't do that either. Why? Well, because all the inertial forces that are created by a rotating universe are going to create the same bulge of the earth as in the heliocentric system. Okay, so basically, when you go through all the so-called proofs that heliocentrism has had, you find out that they have no proof. They have no proof. And that's where the bottom line is. Okay, so if you have no proof, then what are these guys doing? Why are they all saying that they're heliocentrists and they believe that the earth goes around the sun? Well, either they're sticking with Newton and forgetting about Einstein Okay, or they make their decisions on philosophical preferences, and not, on, not on empirical science. And that's where they rest. If you talk to guys like Stephen Hawking. About 30 seconds left. Stephen Hawking will tell you he does not base his decision of heliocentrism and geocentrism on the empirical evidence. He makes it by a philosophical preference. Okay. And, that, and I'm not even including all the astrophysical evidence that we have now. The cosmic microwave background radiation, the uh, formation of galaxies uh, in concentric circles around our galaxy, all that kind of stuff. I haven't even gotten into that yet. And time. All right. Thank you very much. We are thrilled for that opening statement as well as for yours, Leo. So the floor is all yours. I've got the timer set. Thanks again for being here. Thank you. Uh, thank you to the audience, and thank you to Robert for, for partaking in this debate. It should be a good one. Um, I didn't know precisely how much of uh, geocentrism solar system-wise or geocentrism universe-wise was going to be discussed, so I kind of put both of those into my, into my opening, more so on the solar system side than on the universe side for reasons that I'll get to later. The first point that I want to make is that, and I'm only going back so far to what I felt was the most relevant to talk about, Galileo Galilei was capable of making observations that showed that Jupiter had moons and that they orbited Jupiter and not the Earth. And in his mind, this was sort of a, a rudimentary indication that, you know, what, what if the Earth and all the other planets that they at least knew about at the time didn't orbit the Earth but all orbited the sun. And his, his, his observations that he made of, of Jupiter's moons orbiting Jupiter were, were actually confirmed, I think rather quickly, I can't remember the name, but it was not very long after that somebody else had made the same observations. Galileo also observed the phases of Venus, like the phases of the moon, which disagreed for most <laughs> firstly and foremostly with the Ptolemaic system, which stated that if, if Venus was between the Earth and the sun, then it would always appear crescent or like most of it you can't see, hence the term crescent. But if it was beyond the sun, then it would always appear gibbous or as if it was full in the sky. But Galileo observed a transition between all of these phases 
which indicates right off the bat that the Ptolemaic model just, it can't be correct and that Venus must orbit the sun. And this led to what is known as the Tychonic model, where I believe Robert mentioned the Tychonic model. And that model was soon challenged by Johannes Kepler. And he developed his three laws of planetary motion that were based on a Copernican model. The first one states that the orbits of a planet, the orbits of planets or the orbit of a planet is elliptical, not, not an actual perfect circle. Number two, a line segment joining a planet in the sun sweeps out over equal area over an equal interval of time. And number three, the square of the orbital period of a planet is directly proportional to the cube of the semi-major axis of the orbit. And his first law, which established elliptical orbits, drastically improved the accuracy of our predictions, the predictions that we could make about planetary motion. And his model observed and well-documented the transit of Venus, both of which corroborate Kepler's model and Kepler's his three laws. And his three laws, Earth is not at the center of at least the solar system. Sir Isaac Newton came along and he used his mechanics in, in an attempt to accurately derive Kepler's, Kepler's laws. He wanted to take the, the laws of motion that, that, he <laughs> that Newton had developed and he wanted to see if he could get Kepler's laws out of those. And he was capable of doing that, which further corroborated Kepler's laws and thereby a heliocentric model of the solar system. Newton's laws themselves were corroborated by numerous experiments, such as we, we were capable of observing that the oscillatory period of a pendulum is longer at the equator than it is at equator. Um, the observation of stellar aberration by Robert Hooke in 16... One, one second, one second. I hear, but right now it's like intense. So sorry, but I just don't want it to be the case that you're giving your speech i've paused your time um but okay. it's going to um, be buffering for people and i just want to give people a heads up if they can hear us um is is it cleared at all now or is it still cutting in and out strangely it's still going red and, and yellow I, i'm like confused because it's like really rare uh what about now is it any clearer now no uh, it's still red i'm a little bit baffled um so on my my Wi-Fi network says it's I have a strong connection. That is. It's not you. It's it's on my odd. side. It's oh, my Wi-Fi. Okay. So OBS isn't my even bad. getting out. So they may not even be able to hear us right now, um, on Twitch or YouTube. I can check the YouTube stream. It does look like. Uh, yeah, it does look a little robot-y. I'm running a speed test because this looks bad. I don't know why, but usually, sometimes it, it will like pop in where it's like, ooh, it like, you know, it dips. But right now, our our download, our download and upload speeds have like tanked. I'm just not sure what's going on. Let me just see if there's a, uh, yeah, right now we're, <sighs> Let me, rate must be a little low, I'm assuming. Let me, uh, there's one other hope, you guys. I'm so sorry about this. Um, it doesn't usually happen, so I'm gonna have to ask if, because I just don't know if it's, like, reliable. Um, sorry, folks. I know, I totally, um, okay, I think we're back. Okay, so, uh, what I want to do is, I think we're back to normal. It once in a while it happens, but that was insane. Uh, in other words, like that was just like where it tanked for like four minutes straight. Um, it happened last night for like 30 seconds, but 
Um, I'm traveling, so this is a, as good as I can do right now. So, folks, if you are able to hear me, please do let me know what you are seeing in the live chat. And in about 30 seconds, we'll be able to know what they're uh, thinking. <clears throat> the video should be back to normal in about uh, 20 seconds. So, I'm looking at the feed on YouTube, but it looks fairly clear now. It's surprising that the video is still lagging. Uh, so sorry, guys. Let me just do another speed test, see where we're at. Still at seven. It's pretty bad. Um, strange that's the, the upload. Well, folks, we are going to. What I'm going to do is, I, I think we're at least. Yeah. Okay. People are saying it looks good now. I think we're back to normal. So, forgive me for that, folks. And. Looks like we're back, and so what I will do is give you your time back. So uh, you've got about, I'd say about eight minutes. So the floor is all yours, Leo. All right. Just to kind of recap, we went over um, Kepler's laws of motion and how they seem to indicate that the Earth is not at the center of the solar system. Um, Sir Isaac Newton derived Kepler's laws with his his um, his laws of motion, which corroborated Kepler's laws. Um, just trying to figure out where I'm at my notes here. Oh yeah, um, it was the, the, the Robert Hooke in 1670 something. It was I think in the early early mid 1670s observed stellar aberration. An aberration is where if you have an object that's moving and you're looking at another object, that object is moved in the direction of your motion by a particular uh, an angle that you, you could represent with say theta or something like that. And that that was observed, but it, that wasn't really fully described until sometime in the the early early-ish mid 1700s i want to say by james bradley i believe it was who by, by explaining how the earth orbits around the sun which corroborated experimentally a heliocentric model of the solar system in 1838 friedrich bessel measured the parallax of the star 61 cygni which finally truly defeated ptolemy's model because ptolemy's model stated that parallax did not exist this also allowed us a method to determine the distance of stars from the earth and it shows us that the Earth is indeed moving. My fourth point that I want to touch on is relativity. Now, relativity lends confirmation to the predictions made by Isaac Newton, at least to a point, and by Kepler, at least to a point. It takes it a little bit far further, but it also shows that Isaac Newton and Kepler were definitely on the right path, such as, say, elliptical orbits of the planets relative to the sun. It also shows that if we use stars as a fixed reference frame, we would observe the planets orbiting around the sun, not the Earth. Specifically, general relativity easily puts the sun at the center of the solar system because the sun comprises about 99.4, I believe it is, percent of the mass in the solar system. And general relativity tells us that what gravity is, is curvature in space-time's geometry as the result of mass or energy in space-time. So you could essentially describe the planets as sort of moving within the throes of the sun's gravitational influence, the same way that if you put a very heavy ball on a trampoline and then threw marbles onto the trampoline, 
the marbles will orbit that heavier ball. This has been observed in literally every single other solar system we have observed in the universe, which is dozens of them. The planets all orbit the stars, whether it's a single star system or a binary star system, because we have observed a few binary star systems that are also solar systems. Albeit relativity does lend confirmation to a heliocentric model, it doesn't prove it, namely because science doesn't prove things. One can derive the same observations regardless of whether the Earth, the Moon, or even Jupiter, Pluto, is put as the center of the solar system. However, this is not corroboration of a geocentric model, but rather of the relativity of measurement, that measurements can be made from any frame of reference and still hold validity. But this doesn't mean that the frame of reference Act accurately models what's happening in reality. To give an example, you can say that a car is moving 60 miles an hour past the post, but it is just as valid to argue that it's actually the post that's moving past the car at 60 miles an hour. Now, we all know that posts don't move, the car is the one that's moving, but either one of those frames of reference works. You'll get the same exact calculations. That's part of the reason why it's called relativity. Geocentric models are used when dealing with bodies that are influenced by the Earth. Say, if we're looking at you know, how the moon orbits or how the satellites that we've made orbit, obviously the Earth is put at the center there, but we're not talking about the whole solar system or even the entire universe in those, in those instances. So we are capable of using a geocentric model. As for the Earth being at the center of the solar system, that's pretty much defeated by the fact that the universe doesn't have a center mainly because the universe, asking where the center of the universe is would be like asking where the center of the surface, specifically the surface of a sphere is. There, there is no center of the surface of a sphere. Likewise, and that sort of gives you an intuitive picture. Likewise, there is no center of the universe. Now, many people have argued that, well, we observe the universe expanding outward from the earth that it seems that you know we can look out in any direction and the universe is expanding the same in every direction that is true however because the the, the expansion of space-time is a metric expansion of its scale not the universe existing as some physical object that's getting physically bigger that's not what is meant by the expansion of the universe because it's a metric expansion of its scale you would observe the universe to be expanding outward from any point regardless of which point you measured it from which also lends credence to the idea that the universe doesn't have a center and is also the consensus of modern cosmologists. It seems to me that a heliocentric model, whether of the solar system or, or of the entire, or whether if you're going to argue that a geocentric model, whether it's of the solar system or of the entire universe, just doesn't seem to line up with the, the predictions that we have made and be capable of confirming with the observations that we make. And a heliocentric model, the models that we use currently in, in physical science today, match up with those observations and they align coherently with the mathematical descriptions that we're capable of giving. A heliocentric model comports significantly more thoroughly with reality than a geocentric model does. And I would argue that even if by Occam's razor alone, we should consider the heliocentric model to be the defining model for the structure of our solar system, including the motions of the bodies within it. And I will yield the remainder of my time. Thank you very much, Leo. We'll jump into open conversation. So thank you, gentlemen, especially for your patience with that, that chicanery earlier. I don't know what was going on there, but uh, thank you very much. The floor is all yours for open discussion. There were a couple of things I wanted to touch on. The first one was... I think you said 
what was it that you said was the reason for Einstein developing special relativity again, if I may ask? You're muted, by the way. Robert, you're muted. I don't know if, if you have to unmute him there, James, or if he can unmute himself on on Zoom. All right. Oh, there you go. There you I, go. I, I didn't turn it off, so I don't know how it got on. <laughs> All right. So, I heard. All right. So your question, um, I know the, the, um, the nature of your question, because some people think the special relativity was invented because of Maxwell's equations. Uh, that is not true. And Einstein says it himself in his 1920 Leiden speech, where he said that the Michelson-Morley experiment was the basis for his special relativity theory. Only then, after he tried to answer Michelson-Morley, did he go to Maxwell's equations and try to make them relative instead of um, polar, which is what Maxwell found. So the, the basis for Einstein's special relativity was the fact that the 1887 Michelson-Morley experiment showed that the Earth wasn't moving through ether. If it was, it would be moving at a clip of 30 kilometers per second. All they could get from that experiment and all the other experiments that modeled Michelson-Morley was probably about 5% of that. So obviously they didn't find the Earth was moving around the sun because it isn't moving at five miles or five kilometers per second. Um, that's what I said. Okay, so I would say that part of that is correct. So Maxwell's equations did not work with Newton's Newton's with with what he had developed because in his model space and time were fixed and immutable, and it became completely inexplicable. A lot of the interactions, <clears throat> excuse me, that happened in electromagnetism are not they they weren't we couldn't explain them within that. So it was postulated that well maybe there's some this ether that light is moving through and that can explain it. So Michelson and Morley did their experiments. What the experiment was essentially trying to show is that if there is this luminiferous ether out there that light travels through, the earth should be moving through that ether. And so when you shine a light beam, a beam of light off of earth or to the earth, there should be some sort of drag that it has in that ether. And we weren't capable of detecting that. So we knew that that was sort of saying, there's got to be something more here. And Einstein said, okay, well, what if instead of space and time being fixed and immutable, they were connected? And it wasn't even Einstein who actually showed that space and time were connected into a single manifold. That was Hermann Minkowski, after which the, the coordinate manifolds that we use in special relativity are named Minkowski spaces. And in those, once you begin moving at relativistic speeds, the manifold actually changes, which comported with Maxwell's equations and allowed for a much more thorough, thorough description of, of classical electrodynamics, at least classical electrodynamics at the time. The other thing I wanted to touch on is, well, well, hold, if hold, I remember, hold, hold. Okay, let me, go ahead. Let, let me comment on what you just said. You said a mouthful. Okay. So basically, uh, the problem with your whole thesis is that Maxwell found there were four different equations he had to use to explain his electromagnetism. Mm -hmm. Einstein didn't like that because he had to use relativity to explain Michelson-Morley. So if he's going to use relativity to explain Michelson-Morley, he's going to try it with Maxwell's equations. And then he's going to try to combine four equations into one and say that, well, it's just an illusion what we're seeing with Maxwell. It doesn't really happen that way. It, it's all relativistic. Okay, but that's not what Maxwell found. 
Maxwell found that the speed of light was constant in ether. He believed in ether, okay? The speed of light wasn't constant by itself. It was constant in ether. Newton also believed in ether, okay? So yeah, you had a contradiction there trying to explain Newton with Maxwell, but the way to do it was either you said the earth wasn't moving through the ether because of the Michael Samorley experiment, or you went with Einstein and you said, well, there isn't any ether and the earth is going around the sun. So you have two viable explanations there. You have no way of knowing that the one you just described is the correct one. Except the math indicates it thoroughly. No, no, the math yeah, doesn't does. do anything. All the math does is put things in numerical uh, uh, equations so that one side equals the other. You can, you can use math to do that with anything. You can do it with a geocentric system. Uh, but then you have incorrections in your math that don't allow no, you, you don't. to draw accurate no, you predictions. Don't. See, that's, that's the myth out there. That's the Wait, myth. Are you saying that math can't ever be wrong, even when it is? So like two plus two could equal five. It seems to me that no, you're arguing. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you can put numerical, uh, numerical representations on what you think is empirical evidence that could be flatly wrong. Like, for example, using the... Uh, using Lorentz's uh, contraction formula. One, Lorentz transformation? One, yeah, the Lorentz transformation. Now, what, what, so what he did was he made up a mathematical equation to answer why time dilates and, and length contracts. But he first assumed that length, con length contracts so he can answer the Michael Samorley experiment. But how does he know that the length contraction and time dilation is the answer to Michael Samorley? Because we've observed because the opposite of, of that is that the earth isn't moving, but he didn't like that answer. Well, we, we've actually observed special relativistic effects like time dilation. That you if, think if we, you do, but you, no, you no, think we, we actually you know. in, our, in our GPS satellites, if we didn't correct for the time dilation effects over the course of 24 hours, your coordinates would be off by seven miles. Yeah, so if, if you don't need if time dilation is not a physical effect that occurs in reality. Why do we have this observation that seems to indicate that it is? Well, here it goes. In our movie, The Principal, we had the guy who went into the GPS and, and analyzed their computer program. And what he found, and he, this is the guy that works for John Deere Tractor. He's dead now. He died last year. His name is Ron Hatch. He has to make these tractors go in a straight line. And they use the GPS, unmanned tractors. So in order to get these tractors to go straight, not into the ditch, he had to go into the GPS computer program. And what he found was they pre-programmed them with the Sanyak effect. And if you know anything about the Sanyak effect, that's almost the same thing as the Michael Samorley experiment, because they found that light speed is slowed down when it goes in one direction and not the other in a circular frame. And so to answer your question, the reason the GPS can work as if light is constant is because they pre-programmed the computers with the Sanyak correction. In other words, they know that light doesn't go the same speed east and west to, from west to east because that's why they had to put the correction in the program. Um, I've never heard of that. And yeah, I well, look them up. Say, I've hatch. read books on special relativity that... I haven't ever mentioned that. Um, I think I, I feel more yeah, There's a reason they don't mention How do you spell that, though? The what effect? Sanyak. S-A-G-N-A-C. Oh, I have heard of this before. I just can't remember what it is off of my head. 
Let me add something else to it, if you don't mind, for further discussion. Go ahead. 1925, Michelson did another experiment, very similar to the one he did in 1887. He had uh, Gale and Pearson as his, um, his uh, workers with him. In that experiment, he is uh, trying to find out the rotation of the Earth, okay, on the sidereal rate. So he sets up his interferometer in uh, Illinois in a rectangular shape, and he finds that the light beams are going in a speed that confirms a sidereal uh, rotation of 23 hours, 56 minutes, and 4.1 seconds, which is exactly the rotation, relative rotation between space and the Earth, okay? So here's the question. Are you listening? Yes. All right. Yeah, I'm listening. Okay. So here's the question for you. If it's claimed that there is no ether for the Michelson-Morley experiment, like Einstein claiming special relativity, then how is Michelson getting the exact sidereal rotation rate between earth and space in his michelson gale experiment in 1925 i don't know i've never heard of that experiment i'd have to look into it okay so you're gonna to have to look that one up too but see here's a big i problem. would bet that it probably doesn't overturn special relativity though yeah well you're gonna to have to look at it first because i mean if it did i don't think physicists would be using special relativity if anything it overturned uh, it. that's we why they don't mention the michelson gale experiment you won't find that in your college textbook they might not be mentioning it because it isn't really relevant to modern physics. That oh, could it's also not relevant. Okay. <laughs> so then the Sanyak experiment isn't relevant because that copied the Sanyak experiment. You want to go on to another topic? You don't seem to be well equipped to handle. Well, no, because I'm reading. On, I'm reading on the sent. The, the well, you Sanyak can't study that. it now. I mean, you're well, I'm not studying it. I'm I'm, re I'm reading on it because that's that's yeah. what I do in discussions. When we have technology this at our fingertips, this is a debate. But you also debate. said that, like, general relativity contradicts special relativity. I think that's just patently false. Oh, general really? relativity is a generalization of the same thing that special relativity, like, special relativity and general relativity are the same theory, just described in two different manifolds. Whereas special relativity, you use a Minkowski space. In general relativity, you use, I, I believe, there, it's a form of neo Lorentzian manifold. I think they're called a. Uh, uh, Riemannian manifolds or pseudo-Riemannian yeah. manifolds Riemann. that can Riemann. that can be curved, that can be irregular. That's really the only difference between them is the the type of manifolds that that we're utilizing to describe. Well, the big difference is that special relativity is has to have an inertial frame without gravity and inertial forces. Do you know of any in the universe? An inertial frame of reference. An inertial frame where there's no gravity and no inertial forces. Yeah, an, an inertial frame of reference. No, I'm not talking I, about inertial frame of reference. I'm talking about an, well, that inertial, would be special. an inertial frame that has no gravity and no inertial forces. Do you know of any in the universe? Yeah, that would be an inertial frame of reference. I don't think we need to have those. We don't need to have them, so it's all theoretical. Well, of course it's theoretical. It's a special theory of okay, general, the relativity. general theory of relativity, theory of relativity. The general theory of relativity only deals with non-inertial frames. That's yeah, it, because it doesn't use it doesn't use inertial motion. It uses geodesic motion motion because it of the structure of the manifold. It doesn't make any difference what kind of motion it uses. It either well, it, has it, gravity it or it does. does. 
that's one of the main differences between special relativity and general relativity is the difference between inertial motion and geodesical motion. motion yeah, the, the reason you, don't, have, you have geophysical motion is because motion. of gravity. Okay. Well, yeah, you, special why relativity doesn't have gravity. Curved. Yeah, because it's it's not it's not curved manifolds. Whereas yeah, in general relativity, we are. Manifolds doesn't make manifolds. any difference. The reason you have a curved manifold is because you have gravity. Yeah, that's that's right? how we describe right. So gravity. One, one theory like doesn't have manifolds. gravity. The other theory does have gravity. That's yes. The okay. But so they don't contradict so you got two different theories there. Okay. Well, they're they're actually the same theory, just described on two different manifolds. No. You can't, uh -huh. if one theory doesn't have gravity and the other does, then you don't have the same theory. You see, you're told that they're the same theory. Well, it's because Here's they are. what happens when you have gravity and general relativity. When you have gravity, the speed of light is not constant. The speed of light and is when, constant in general relativity. In fact, no, it is in Einstein's not. field. No, um, it is not. Wait, so the, does the speed of light appear in Einstein's field equations? Does C appear in Einstein's field equations? Yeah, but it's not constant. Okay, but but if it wasn't constant, general relativity wouldn't work. Those equations wouldn't work. We no, provided that's not true. Back solutions to them. The Schwarzschild metric. Yeah, if you confine it just to a heliocentric view and you exclude the rest of the universe, yeah, you can have that kind of Newtonian universe. Maybe this isn't Newtonian. This would be Einsteinian. No, you can you can have g equals a pi tau and f equals ma, and you could join them together in a system. But the, uh, the, the, here's the, what the crux of the issue is, if you add the rest of the universe, Einstein has to say that the universe can go around a fixed Earth in one day. Do you, do you agree with that or not? Wait, what? If you believe in general relativity, you have to agree that the Earth can be fixed and the universe rotate around it on a daily basis. Do you agree with that or not? Well, that would be special relativity. That that's No, that it, has it, nothing to do with special it, relativity. Well, it, it does, just like with the example I mentioned earlier. You're essentially saying, asking me, is there a difference between a car moving past a pole at 60 miles an hour with the pole stationary or the car being stationary and the pole moving past it at 60 no, miles that's an hour? Special There's relativity. no mathematical difference between those two. Yeah, we could do the same thing the earth moving in the universe or the universe moving around the earth. The fact that the math stays the same doesn't mean that the other one is true. We still know, and like in the first scenario, the hypothetical, we still know the car is the one that's moving. We still know that the earth is the one that's moving. Yeah, so how do you know that the universe is the one that isn't moving the earth is? Uh, because the, the universe isn't a thing that can move. How do you know that? Because the universe isn't an object like the How Earth. How do you know that? Because of cosmology and our understanding of space-time reality. From where? From, where? From, from science, from modern, modern theoretical cosmology. You know, I'll tell you where you got it from. You got it from Edwin Hubble, who when he looked at the redshift of the galaxies and saw them all with redshift and no blue shifts, he knew that the earth was in the center of the universe. And he says so in his in 1937 book, The Observational Approach to Cosmology. He didn't like that. So what he created was a balloon universe just with the surface. And he put all the galaxies on the surface. And then he started to blow that balloon up. And as all the galaxies separated from one another, they saw a redshift from each galaxy. That's how you got the Big Bang Theory. Okay. Yeah, it's and because, the numerous other observations. you proved anything about an expanding universe. Well, yeah, we have... Well, we, science doesn't prove things, but the, 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 the expansion of space-time is experimentally verified. By in fact, what? it's given by, uh, by Hubble's observations. 
helps will and by general and also by general relativity. See, see, this is the big thing. General relativity actually it would not work if if space time if space time was static. It wouldn't work. And at the, that time, Einstein, all of them, they believed that space time was static. It didn't expand. It didn't contract. General relativity it, it didn't work. So the universe either had to be expanding or potentially contracting, but most would have said it had to be expanding. This was in 1915. This general relativity was confirmed in 1917. And then we actually observed the expansion of space-time in 1929. So th there's corroboration there indicating that this is, this is an actual observation that we're making. No, actually what it is is what I just said it was. It was he didn't want the Earth in the center, and then he created his expanding. Universe. I don't think Edwin Hubble really cared where the Earth was at, and no, whether what the, what well, his he, personal opinions on where the Earth would have been at or is that are completely irrelevant to the observations. That uh, he no, made they're not, because it shows the motivation expanding. of why he created his expanding universe. Go read his book. He didn't create he it. Says, he he says it. about he a dozen times in his book. Other we, times. He says it a dozen times in his book that we can't have. A, an earth in the center of the universe. So what are we going to do? The only thing we can do is create a balloon surface and put all the galaxies on it and have it expand. That was his option. Well, that was his observation, an observation we've corroborated probably hundreds of times since 1929. We've, oh, we've yeah. literally observed redshift. Numerous people have observed redshift. Redshift does not prove that the earth is expanding. There's the, about 60 the explanations I, for redshift. It does actually demonstrate that. And the, the reason that we know it demonstrates it is because the redness is directly proportionate to the distance. That means that physical objects aren't moving in space-time. Space-time itself is growing between the objects. No, all it means is one galaxy yeah. is further away from the other. It doesn't mean there's any expansion. Yeah, but the further away the galaxy is, the redder it is. So what? How, do you, how would you expect that? That means that space is growing between no, the two No, it points. doesn't. No, yeah, I can place it, it, one object near me and another object farther away from me, and they're both going to give me redshift. That doesn't mean the system is expanding. Do you know what causes do you, what, what causes light to redshift in galactic redshift? It could be a lot of things. There's 60 different uh, explanations out there for redshift. You're picking I've the one that you like. I've heard of one, and that's the one that the whole of modern physics since the, the, 1920, the 1920s has gone with. Yeah, because they don't want an Earth-centered universe. That's why. I don't really think physicists care if the Earth is literally at the center of the universe or not. I think they just care oh, about what yeah. they Well, go read their literature and you'll find out. That I've read their lot. literature. Um, and I don't think so you have. Redshift is, for the, just for the audience's sake, redshift is the result of a light wave being stretched. And this can happen, like, we, we, you can picture the Doppler effect with sound. As a train is coming towards you, the pitch might go up. As it moves away from you, the pitch goes down. It's the same effect, but with light versus sound. So the normal thought is, oh, well, the galaxies are moving away from us. The reason we know that's not the case is because the further away the galaxies are, the redder they appear, which means the further away they are, the more redshifted the light is, which means that the further away galaxies get, the faster that they're moving, or seemingly. They're, the redshift is directly proportionate to the distance. Well, that actually doesn't tell us that the galaxies themselves are moving. It tells us that the space between us and the galaxies is expanding. The more space you have, the more space there is to expand, the faster the galaxy will move away from you, the more redshifted its light is. This no, has been experimentally well, that, confirmed that, that's one since, 19, since it was first discovered in 1929 by Edwin Hubble. This is a part of the standard model of cosmology. You might not accept it. I'm not a professional. I've read 
I've done many lectures by professionals on the subject. I've read their textbooks. I feel comfortable being within the framework of the consensus of modern cosmology. Well, if you any, knew anything about the consensus, you would know that there's a lot of disagreement out there about redshift, which you don't no, seem to know. There's not. Not, um, amongst, not amongst reputed uh, cosmologists, I would say there probably isn't. Yeah. You ask any cosmologist who's going to be honest with you, and they'll, they'll tell you that there's a lot of different explanations for redshift. I have actually it's asked. not just because something is being stretched. There could be dust in the... That's what Hubble first thought that there's cosmic dust in there that is slowing down the speed of the light. And if it slows down, it's going to go to the redshift. Okay. That was his first explanation. And then he ruled that out. And that was the, it was the proportionate, that was the redshift proportionate to the distance. That yeah. Because he that had out. to have his balloon universe to get well, away. No, it's there. just that that's what he observed. And the universe isn't a balloon. Like the universe doesn't have a shape. Go read his book. You know, you ought to read his book first to find out what you're talking about. Okay? Well, I know because what I'm in the book. About. He says, that he sees the Earth-centered universe because of the redshift. You don't want to admit that because you don't like it. Go well, read no, the I book just, first just and then not find out. Be, that's okay? just not what's being said. Oh, yeah. Well, it's not the what the experiments tell us. Yeah, you're, you're just like all the other ones. They come in here and they think they know everything. I don't. I no. do not know everything. I am far, far from an expert know, on this. Obviously, you don't know enough about Hubble because he said that instead of having an Earth-centered universe we're going to have a balloon universe. But the redshift can support both of them. So you have no proof. I think that's you interpolating your particular explanation. No, these are his exact words. I write them in my book. You want me to read it for you? Would you like me to read um, it? Well, I would, I would rather read it myself, but I'm oh, probably okay. not going to well, do that. Well, then why don't you go do like that? We'll move on to another topic. What, what, Hubble, what Hubble personally believes is not relevant to the science, the experiments oh, that have well, been Oh, well, you just said he's the one that formulated it in 1929. Yes, and we've also confirmed it literally hundreds of times since then in hundreds of ways. Oh, so it wasn't based on what he said in 1929. So make up your mind. It was based on what he observed, not what he said. Well, what he observed is written in his 1937 book, I mean, I, Observational Approach to Cosmology. Uh, Einstein put in a fudge factor into general relativity because he didn't like that it showed that space-time would have had to have been expanding. But that didn't matter. We still now know that space-time is, in fact, expanding. So it doesn't matter. No, you don't All throughout know that. history, scientists tried to fudge the science because it didn't fit their personal views. But all of that ended up going away because the actual people who wanted the raw science decided to say, no, this is what we're going to go with. No, they didn't. As a matter of fact, Hawking in his 2010 book, uh, The Grand Design, says that um, the redshift that Hubble saw all around him would put the Earth in the center of the universe. Hub uh, Hawking himself. Yeah, and I, I had actually addressed that. I actually addressed that, and that has to do with the fact of that the expansion of space-time is a metric expansion of its scale, i.e., you would look like you're at the center of the universe from literally any point in the universe because it is outward that you're looking from that point, oh, wait, and so it's going, you're going you... to see everything expanding. So we I could go understand. to the other side of the Milky Way galaxy 70,000 light years away, and it will look like it's the center of the universe. Yeah, I so, i.e., there is no actual way. center of the universe. Yeah, I that's not explaining you... it away. That's that's oh, exactly yes, what Einstein because there's or, another I mean, explanation to that. The other explanation what is, this is explanation? the Earth is actually in the center of the universe. Well, that's an explanation. You well, so how like. come 
well, how come that then if we were to go 70,000, if we were to go two and a half million light years away to the Andromeda galaxy, it would look like we're at the center of the universe. It's you the don't center know of that because you've never been there. Yeah, we do. Okay? We know that. because You're just of the theorizing that what you would see on Andromeda galaxy. That's all. No, we, we know that's what we would observe because of the, no, that's the metric not, you expansion. You don't know that that's what you would observe because you've never we been We do there. because of the, ex the metric expansion of space-time, which has been thoroughly no, because, confirmed. And where did you get that from? You got that from the... Uh, observations. Where did you get that from? Actual observation. observation or redshift. And where did you get that yeah, from? Yeah, yeah. You got it from Hubble. So it all goes back to Hubble. Well, it's not that... Either the Earth is in the center or you have an expanding universe. You seem to be Take laboring the under the delusion that Hubble just like randomly pulled the universe is expanding out of his ass. He didn't. If he did, we wouldn't have confirmed those no, same No, I didn't say he pulled it out of his ass. Over. I said that he said, this is how we get out of an Earth-centered universe. We That's, create a no. universe. I didn't say he pulled it out of his ass. Well, it's, it seems to me that you're arguing that his observation of redshift isn't something we've actually observed when it is. It isn't because you can't prove it. So then how have we, well, science doesn't prove anything. Like you, you can't prove that electrons so orbit, the, orbit the nucleus of an atom. Does, I'm not trying to prove it. I'm saying this is what we have observed numerous times. No, if it wasn't something that happens in reality, why would we observe it? Observing something requires interpretation. Interpretation requires a basis for making the interpretation. So it's well, not just, just observation. Basic philosophy. You're, 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 you're acting as if we see a balloon universe out there. You don't. All you see is light redshifted that's getting all you see. getting redshifted because of space time is expanding no, we don't know light. that well you we think do you know why it's redshifted but you don't know that well we we do it's because of the metric expansion of space time. Uh, you, you can just keep repeating yourself it's not going to prove it anymore um so I, I have a question if you went to any major institution on this planet oxford cambridge harvard yale stanford and asked anybody in the astrophysics and cosmology department is space time undergoing a metric expansion of its scale how many do you think would say no? And how many do you think would say yes? Most of them would say yes. Okay. So why do you think that is? Why do you think that the guys with the PhDs who have spent decades of their life studying this and researching this would agree with me and not you? Well, because if you put the earth in the center of the universe, that means somebody had to put it there. It's not no, not necessarily. It could have just happened. Yet. It could have just happened by chance. You don't know that. An earth in the center of the universe? Come on, who yeah. are you fooling? <laughs> well, if, if there, it, so let's put it this way. If there was a planet at the center of the universe and that just happened by chance and life developed on that planet, wouldn't they then say, hey, look, we're at the center of the universe? Yeah, and that would be okay, a Okay, so harder. then it, it, it could happen back. without yeah. a god. You don't yeah, need I'll a god. I'll give a remote or, possibility um, that that could happen. Okay, okay, great. So and then it, it that, did, even if we granted that the earth is at the center of the universe, that means nothing other than that, hey, the Earth is at the center of the universe. No, I can no, 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 no. Let's not, not be naive. It means that the chances of us saying that there's a designer out there who put it in the center is a lot greater than somebody put it out in the remote recesses of space with not no signpost saying here, here you are. Okay. I think anybody with logical sense is going to admit that. But you, you, you yourself just conceded that it's possible that there could just be a planet that happened to be at the center of the universe and life developed. It's on also that planet. possible the sun doesn't come up tomorrow. Okay. It's a remote possibility. Is it physically possible? Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's, that's it is physically possible because I believe it is physically possible that mm -hmm. we are in the center. But yeah, if it doesn't I violate, ask doesn't anybody violate. at Cambridge or Oxford or Harvard, you know, do you think that the Earth is in the center of the universe? Well, no. I mean, uh, can you prove it? Well, no. Well, then why do you believe it? Well, it's because philosophically it just agrees with me, uh, with my whole understanding of the universe. I, I would actually argue it's probably more a result of Occam's razor and just other 
you know, experiments that we've done confirming the metric expansion of space time. If you, you want to use Occam's you're going to you're going to observe space time expanding outward from a center, regardless of where you're at. So it's always going to look like you're in the center. No, you know, actually, the simplest version is to have a static universe that's revolt ro ro rotating around a fixed Earth. So that you don't have to have an expansion. Occam's because razor. You know, where are you going to get the energy for it? You're going to Occam's create dark energy. You're going to create dark matter. You're going to do away with the horizon problem Occam's because now razor. you have space expanding beyond the speed of light. Occam's You've got so razor. many problems with an expanding universe that you don't have with an Earth-centered universe where the universe is rotating around it on a daily basis. That's very simple. Occam's razor doesn't state we go with the explanation that's the most simple. It states that we go with the explanation out of all the explanations that is that makes the least amount of assumptions while still explaining everything that we're trying to explain. All right, and well, you tell me what assumption I'm making. Tell me what assumption I'm making that won't allow a geocentric universe to work. Uh, that space time isn't expanding. Excuse me? That space time isn't expanding. Okay, yours is expanding, mine's rotating. What's the difference? They're both moving. Um, well, th there's a difference between linear momentum and angular momentum. Yeah. It's still movement. I mean, what you're, you want yeah, but there's, to be the judge. So are you saying there's no difference between me throwing a, a baseball in a straight line and me throwing it and it, and it curves? There's, there's definitely a difference. I, e, a, oh, yeah, a, I, I, yeah, we both factor. agree that there's a difference, but I'm talking about movement. You're, you're, you're trying to use Occam's razor to say that my system is somehow complicated or doesn't fit the paramount well, because paradigm or whatever. I don't know what you're talking about. Mine rotates, yours expands. What's, what's basically the difference? One has uh, linear, one the has difference, angular. The, yeah, the difference would be we don't observe like a, a, an angular momentum, I guess you could say, to space-time. We observe, I, I don't know if I would say momentum, because when we're talking about space-time, it's hard, but it's just speaking you don't, you don't experience we observe any a expansion. linear momentum. Yeah, we do. You don't, you don't experience any linear expansion. All you do is see the stars go around you every night. That's angular momentum. Well, no, when we observe distant galaxies, they're redshifted in their level of the no, redshift. Here we go back to redshift again. You're trying well, yeah, to prove that redshift is only caused by expansion. You can't I, do I, that. I must, I must be honest here. You haven't really explained away this data or given a model that better predicts this and explains how this we get what we see without a, an expansion of space-time. You know, put a light through a prism. Why do you see red light? Because it moves slower than the blue light. Okay. Well, yeah, that's because you're putting it through a, a medium and different frequencies will exactly. move. Exactly, and that's what Hubble's speed. first explanation was. The dust in the yes. universe is going to turn it to redshift. But if you put if you put light through a crystal, the redshift, the, the, the redness that you see doesn't change with the distance that you put the crystal away from you. Oh, I agree. So like, 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 he's like, like, like I said, what Hubble noted was that, well, it's not just that the redshifted. They're more redshifted the further away they are. In fact, it's directly proportional. Yeah, but to that them. doesn't prove anything. So it can't be. So it can't be. Because if you have a galaxy yeah, that's not doesn't expanding, prove listen, Hubble wasn't trying to prove to anything. If you have a galaxy that's not expanding, and then you put another galaxy farther away that's not expanding, and you and they both go through the dust of the universe, which one is going to have a greater redshift? The one that's further away. Yeah, that's why. Why would that be? Because he has to go through more dust. This light's going to be refracted more. But that shouldn't be the case. No, it is the case. It shouldn't be. Well, you can have all, all kinds of inertial forces out there. As a matter of fact, the rotating universe gives you the inertial forces to, to make the, the light go redshifted. But it, those kinds of forces wouldn't redshift light? How do you know that? 
because that's not how electromagnetic radiation works. Oh, really? You don't think electromagnetic radiation is affected by inertial forces and gravity? It's not. Uh, electromagnetic radiation is not affected by gravity? No. The whole reason, their whole other reason for redshift is because of gravitational effects on light. No. Yes. Well, I suppose because as light climbs out of a gravitational well, since it must necessarily move its C, it, it loses frequency. That's that's how it loses its energy rather than in momentum. Yeah, so I guess yeah, you would be correct. It would be it would be redshifted. And we can observe that in gravitational yeah, lines. Okay, so you're corrected. I thought when you said that gravity affects light, you meant like the gravity can slow down light or you know do stuff same like that. Same difference, whether it's going linear or whether it's going up from a planet. The same difference is going to cause the, re the redshift of a light. It's the gra same gravity. Yeah, but we we can we can differentiate between gravi gravitational redshift and expand expansive redshift as a result of space time. Of course, you can because yeah. you've invented expansive redshift. No, it's because they're just already there. We get two different observations based on those. No, you don't. You get the same kind of yeah, redshift. yeah, we yeah we do. An, an, ob an object or light that's, that's redshifting because of gravity just stays redshifted. Redshift as a result of the expansion of space-time is directly proportionate to its distance from us. No, no. Yeah, well, according to the experiments that we've run and confirmed time and again. Yeah, you can exactly. say the same thing about gravity. The farther the light is from the gravitational sor source, the, the more the effect of redshift is going to be. So it's the same difference. I want to go back to some other stuff you said. We, we should get off of this because they're going nowhere with it. I did actually want to comment really quick on when you mentioned the Sonyak effect. That doesn't show that light slows down. It shows that because of the motion of the, the apparatus, you have time dilation effects. Yeah, I see. That's exactly the point. You guys throw in time dilation as if it's something proven that well, you just throw it in there and that'll explain the experiment. Why but. do you keep saying like prove things when... I've never once stated that I'm even trying to like science doesn't prove things. Well, I, you just That's told not, me that the reason for the Sanyak effect is because of time dilation. Is well, that, that proven or not? That, is it it's, proven or not? It's demonstrated by consistent experiments. Their corroboration by the mathematical underpinnings of that. Mathematics has nothing to do with it. Okay, you can wait. Whoa, well, mathematics has nothing to do with physics. No, I didn't say that. I said the mathematics well, this has nothing to do with the Sanyak effect. You can make the, well, the math effect at any time you want effect by putting the right figures in there. Okay? Actually, if the you funny put Lorentz's, if you put Lorentz's contraction formula in there, yeah, you're going to get time dilation. But who says the contraction formula is correct? The the funny thing is, you say that if this mouse would work. You say that math has nothing to do with the, the Sanyak effect? No, I said um, you can put in Delta math phi is equivalent to 8 pi over lambda C by, oh, is that omega dot A? So the, the Sanyak effect is literally represented by a mathematical equation, my guy. You can put math numbers to anything you want to make them work. That's what I'm saying. Well, the math okay. is the theory behind it has to be correct first. The math is utilized as a method for describing what we're observing. No, in a no, this is what happens. You go in there, you look at the experiment, and you say, no, it can't be that one light beam is going faster than the other. So we'll throw in time dilation to make them balance. Well, that's and then what you the put math an equation is. to it. And then so you put an equation to it, and you go, oh, wow, look, we put an equation to our theory. 
We don't even well, know if course, the theory is correct or not. That's what. That's what. Well, a th if a theory by definition corroborates consistently with reality. Like by it doesn't, because uh, there's other explanations to the a, same empirical evidence. A scientific theory is a well substantiated, rigorously tested, and repeatedly confirmed explanation of some observed phenomenon yeah by all the elephants in the room nodding their head and saying yes it must be this way because the well, opposite no that's is having that's what we've defined it as you know that we get to pick what words mean right humans get to pick what their language what words and their languages mean that's what a theory is that's why we call it atomic theory yeah and general theory, theory of relativity theory. quantum the way, the way to explain the michelson morley experiment without using special relativity is that the earth is in the center of the universe it isn't moving but see, you don't like that explanation. Well, no, it's just that doesn't corroborate well with the observations that we make. And what other observations? With the math. Um, what the other observations? Expansion of space-time, special relativity, general oh, relativity. Expansion of space-time? You can't use that to prove that the Earth isn't in the center of the universe, and you know it. Well, we can because what it, else do you it, have? that there isn't a center to the universe. What other proof do you have? Well, I, we, we're not talking about proof here. Again, science doesn't oh, Okay, what well, other evidence do you have, then, that the Earth can't be in the center of the universe? I, I wouldn't say that the Earth can't be, just that we don't observe it to be, as far as the, it's the observations we've been capable of making are, mainly because the universe doesn't have a center. And you know that by how? Uh, the expansion of space-time. The universe will look like it's expanding outward from any point, so i.e. any point will look the like... Same the same unproven thesis that you have but of, of course it's unproven everything you everything you know is based on the supposed expansion of the universe which you haven't proven well it's because science doesn't prove things we haven't proven that electrons exist they just well, then don't talk about it forth. then if you haven't proven well, it but but so science so what you're saying is that we should just not we should just completely ignore science altogether no should, please well, please don't caricature what i'm saying well, but you you said i'm that, saying you should be open to both possibilities if you want to see the empirical evidence fairly and not one-sidedly, then you should acknowledge that an Earth-centered universe can answer all the experimentations we've done just as well as your expanding universe can. Should I give as much credence to the idea that two magnets will stick together because of magical fairies as I should to quantum electrodynamical effects? First of all, you don't know what causes magnetism. Yes, Second I do. Of all, I wouldn't believe in fairies either. I, I know so what causes so magnetism. Please, so please in fact, I know what causes magnetism me. quite well. It's it's the it's what essentially you get a magnetic field when you put an electric field in motion. All right, then explain gravity to me. If you know, so uh, much. gravity is curvature in the geometry of space time. And by you the know that how? You know uh, general that how? general relativity. Yeah, and you know general relativity is correct how? Uh, because uh, Sir Arthur Eddington and Albert Einstein observed two stars that exist behind the sun. They exist. So you got the sun, you've got the earth, the stars exist behind the sun. We shouldn't be able to see them, but we did. We observed them out here because their light was bent by the gravity of the sun, indicating that space that time. That doesn't curve. prove general relativity. Well, of course, because science doesn't believe prove light is affected by gravity long before general relativity came along. Well, they didn't okay. know. They didn't know what light was prior to like the very late 1800s. And well, they still do. Light is electromagnetic radiation. Oh, that you that's, just put words on it. That's but okay, so if light isn't electromagnetic radiation, how can it be affected by electromagnetic field? Like, how can, how can we polarize it? It makes no sense. Yeah, because we don't know whether light is a wave or a particle. That's why. Well, the you know thing with, with that is that 
light is a wave and it's always a wave. It's just that we can reduce that waviness down to, to, to a, a certain standard devi standards of deviation. Um, yeah. So like you would have sigma X by sigma P is, what is it? It must be greater than or equal to, oh, what is it? Um, H, H bar over two. Let's not get yeah, the, the, the wave particle duality doesn't actually show that things behave as particles. It just shows that we can reduce the waviness down to a certain point. Yeah, let me just tell you this. Nobody knows how gravity works. Nobody's figured it out yet. Yeah, there's we about, do. There's about three dozen theories out there. Quantum you, loop gravity. Wait, hold on. You do relativity. know that general relativity predicted that space time was expanding, which has been observationally confirmed. No, it, it existed. Hasn't. It predicted the existence of black holes, which have been observationally confirmed. Black it holes can exist the existence in any of uh, gravitational lensing, which was observationally confirmed. It that predicted wasn't confirmed the, either. It, it predicted the existence of gravitational waves, which have been observationally confirmed. No, they it haven't predicted the precession of the orbit of. Mm, Mercury, which we've observationally confirmed, literally every prediction general relativity has made, every yeah. prediction general relativity has made is making. There has not been a single test that general relativity has been put to that it's failed. My guy. Oh yes, it has. See, like what? What? What experiments? Read about what experiments? Right? Like for the perihelion of Mercury, Einstein started precession. Precession of Mercury. It's not the precession. It's the perihelion. It's, it's literally, per, perihelion is the 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 closest point. To this, to the sun, I believe, because aphelion starts with an A. Aphelion yeah, actually, away. we're both correct. It is precession and, and, and perihelion. Einstein started with a figure that he needed, and he got there by by fudging the numbers on the other side to make sure he got there. Okay, but my you, question I read is about all this. If, you can read about a, it in my book. If a theory doesn't accurately predict reality, then why are the things? So you've got some theory, and it says, well, if this is true, you should see these particular effects occurring. So, and you're saying that this isn't true. But I'm not so saying it isn't true. Mer Mercury does have a perihelion precession. Okay. But I don't saying know that, that general relativity is the only explanation for it is total nonsense. I'm not saying that general relativity is the only explanation. I, I, I don't think I said that once. I said yeah. that it is. Can we get the back on the geocentric stuff? Have. Okay. Can we get back on the G? Uh, you had your turn now. I want to go back to some things you said. Yeah, go ahead. All right. First of all, um, Jupiter's moons don't prove anything. Because even well, the geocentric science system, doesn't prove things. They all have local systems that allow the smaller body to go around the larger. There's only one place in, in which the entire universe is going to go around something smaller, and that's in the geocentric system. Everything else is going to work in its local gravitational frame. You're going to see solar systems with planets going around them, and that's exactly what we'd expect. Why? Because they're not the center of mass of the universe. That's why. There's only Wait, one place it's the center of no, mass of the universe. There is There's no only center one place of, that the universe can go around. Did, what? Hold on. Did you really just insinuate the Earth is the center of mass? The Earth that is 1.3 million times less massive than the Sun, which is a which is like one one what is it like one one octillionth or one. I can't even remember some astronomically large number, the mass of the Milky Way galaxy. There is no center of mass for the whole universe. Mass is Are you going to it's not homogeneously distributed, but it's it's not how do I want to word this? It's not that mass is evenly distributed, but that we know why mass is distributed the way that it is throughout space time. Yeah, you don't know squat. Okay. If okay. You want to stick with the Newtonian system? Yeah. I am not using Newtonian. Are you Newtonian going to interrupt me or are you going to let me explain? 
well, please don't charge me with utilizing Newtonian mechanics when I'm utilizing the standard model of cosmology, which utilizes Einsteinian relativity, not Newtonian. Yeah, mechanics. Einsteinian relativity, whether you like it or not, says the universe can go around a fixed Earth. As it Earth it could, but that doesn't mean that it is, in fact, happening. Wait, 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 wait. You just said Einstein relativity won't allow it. I'm telling you that I it didn't does. say that. Huh? I didn't say that. I just said it doesn't comport with it very well, as no, no, well no. as the Earth. You said that Einstein Earth. relativity will exclude the Earth being the center of mass of the universe. I didn't say that. In fact, I'm pretty sure I clarified. Do you agree with it then? And even gave, is it possible? Yeah, it's possible. But does it comport? Is it the best model that comports with the observations? Well, wait that a minute. Made? You're, just, you're no. saying two different things. When we first started this a minute ago, you said, you're telling me that the Earth could be the center of the universe when the sun is so big and the universe is so big. And now you're telling me that it's a possibility. That, that, Which one is it? About, I was talking about center of mass of the universe. That doesn't even make well, sense. What do you think the, Einstein said? The, the Milky Way is... No, I'm not talking about the Milky Way. I'm talking about what knows Einstein how many say times about the Earth and the universe. What did he say about the Earth and the universe? I don't really think he said all that much. He about said it. the Earth can be the center of mass for the rotating universe. That's well, what he said. I don't think he said it could be the center of mass. I think he said that there's no difference between utilizing keeping the Earth fixed and moving everything around it, or the Earth moves. And along what would the be the difference then between that and the Earth being the center of mass? You tell me. Well, you see, you keep saying center of mass. Um, can you tell me what the term center of mass means? Center of gravity, center of mass. I think you know what they mean, don't you? Yeah. So how could the Earth be the center of mass for the whole universe when there are things significantly more because massive? Because if the, if the universe Earth. rotates, it has to rotate around a central point. And that yeah, point is determined that be the most? Wouldn't that be the most massive object, which is definitely not the Earth? No, center of mass doesn't have to be massive. The center of mass is just an ideal point. It can be yeah. Anything. The ideal point in a mass where it's it that that pole, that gravitational pole, is is centered either for one body or for a set of bodies. So the larger a mass is, so if we put a star that's fifteen hundred times the size of the sun close to the sun, the sun would no longer be the center of mass for the solar system that new star would because it's more massive and thereby curves space-time more intensely exactly so i if you want to say could the earth be the center of the universe it could be that doesn't seem to comport with what we observe it could be but when you say center of mass that's where even larger problems come into play All because right, let's that, just let's have a rotating universe without the earth in the center is that possible uh, I'm sure under some senses it could be possible. Okay, I don't so think now, that we now, observe if that. that but if, if it's possible to have a center of mass for that rotating universe, wait, now put the Earth where that's... You, you keep saying, well, if the Earth is at the center of the mass, are we like inside some massive pocket of like dark dark matter or something that's extending God knows how many light no, years we out? Have, we have space and we have stars that fill in that space and we have what we call that sphere what do you want to call it that's the universe so how that how can rotates what's it going to rotate around how could galaxies orbit the earth when galaxies are significantly more massive than the earth is? because you don't know your general relativity that's why that's I, why you're asking that question i have a feeling if i asked you what a tensor was you probably couldn't tell me but if you think i don't understand general relativity you're you are entitled to that opinion
Yeah, well, you're showing me that you don't. And I know what a tensor is, okay? But cool. the, the point I here so. is Einstein, by the whole nature of relativity, has to allow for both systems. And he comes out and says, yeah, I have to. My theory can't tell you which one's correct. Again, this would be special relativity. Excuse me? I said this again. This wouldn't be general. It'd be special. No, because general yeah, relativity no, deals general with gravity. Center of masses deal with gravity. Yes, but social it, relativity it, has nothing to do with gravity. It wouldn't be the center of mass because the Earth isn't massive enough to attract all the other bodies in the yeah, universe. Yeah, well, there's where you make your it's, other it's, mistake. It, even even the, Newton would the say that's a mistake or, because not the, the, the object um, does not have to be massive to be the center the, of mass. The the, the, the equivalence between Where's the, the center of mass between Earth, the, the Earth, Earth being at the center of the universe and everything moving around it, or the Earth just moving relative to other other bodies, is the result of there being no preferred inertial frames of reference, which is what special relativity says. To give my example again, it's it's the same reason why there's no mathematical difference between a car moving past a post at 60 miles an hour and the post moving past the car at 60 miles an hour. Those are exactly the same. But I that understand does not that, mean but that's not solving our car problem. that's the one that's moving. I understand that. There's so no when Einstein says that you could put the Earth at the center of the universe and have everything moving around it, he was appealing to one of the most fundamental tenets of not general relativity, but special relativity, namely that there is no preferred inertial frame of reference. No, he, the special yes. relativity would never put the Earth in the center of the universe because then it would be a preferred inertial frame. Not actually, no, not necessarily. The center of mass does not move. The center of gravity does not move. That's why it's a preferred That's why frame. special relativity also says that the Earth really isn't at the center. There isn't I like know. an actual That's what he said before. Center. That's that because then it would be thesis. a preferred frame. That, and, that's and what he said before it, in 1905. What? 1915 came when he had to add gravity in. Then everything changed. Then we did have a preferred inertial frame. No, we don't. And that was the Earth. It, that no. wasn't true in a special relativity. The, the Earth is not a preferred frame of reference. Well, if it's a center of the universe and doesn't move, it is the preferred inertial frame, and that's yeah. The and there, there are there are there are no preferred frames of reference even in general relativity. General relativity says exactly the same thing. No, general relativity says we can't prove of, we can't prove which one is the is the preferred inertial frame. Uh, but no, it says that there one. is one. Because general relativity is a generalization of well, then, special sir, relativity. You need to you need animal. to read up on Einstein. You, you I don't know. I've Einstein. actually read his relativity, the special and general theory that was like literally written by well, Einstein. You must have skipped over the part that said the Earth could be in the center and the universe rotating around it. Well, no, I, I know exactly what, what you're talking about. That was when okay, he was describing. Do you know what else he said about that? That was when he was what, describing, what? like I said, that there are no preferred inertial frames of reference. It would be no difference than me saying, yeah, that that car could be going past the post at 60 miles an hour, or the car could be stationary, and everything around it is moving past the car at yeah. 60 miles an hour. But that doesn't mean that the car is literally at the center of everything and everything's moving around it. It's a demonstration. Of course it doesn't, because you're you dealing with cars any frame posts. of reference, and the measurements are going to be the same. And that gave rise to the the invariance of the laws of physics in any frame of reference which is another one of the fundamental tenets of special relativity yeah well they they all went by the wayside when he invented general relativity sir okay you uh, well it that. didn't because general relativity is a generalization of the okay. same in general relativity, relativity is light constant or not curved manifolds in general relativity is light constant or not 
Is light, of course, light is constant in special and general relativity. Then you don't know your physics. You don't know general relativity. Okay, so then is why? Is there in general relativity or not? No, there's not an ether in special relativity. You, you, you do realize that if there, if, there was an, if there was an ether, special relativity would be wrong because then the ether that's would exactly be... Right. Right. That's, that's exactly right. And that is why Dr. William Lane Craig is a neo-Lorentzian because he's an atheorist. And in order for the A-theory of time to be true, you have to have a perfect frame of reference. I don't care about what, what you, what you Craig says. So, I'm telling you yeah. what general relativity says. General relativity, Einstein took back the ether in 1920 for general relativity. No, he didn't. Yes, okay, he did. let me ask you, which which of the tensor equations in his field equations represents the, the ether? Which tensor equation? Yes. That's the Lorentz transform. Uh, no, the Lorentz transformations aren't tensor equations. Well, whatever that's tensor that's equation Einstein developed from that, who cares? Well, he, he, he developed. Okay. He I'm developed asking you a question. Do you believe that that there the light speed is constant in general relativity? You said yes. Do you believe that there's an ether in general relativity? You said no, and that's false. Do well, you believe uh, that? I, do you believe that material objects can travel faster than the speed of light in general relativity? Well, this, no, yes but that's, no? Not, that's not general relativity. It tells us that, again, that's special relativity. No, that is not. You, go, you don't know your general relativity. To, to, give, to give a brief explanation, if you have, I'm going to do this with pens because I don't think my arms are going to fit. No, on I'm screen. not going to go over so the same thing you, with you. You have, you have, you've asked me, not to, you've asked, me not to, you've okay. asked me not to interrupt you. And I've, I've been at least trying my hardest not to. So please, I just would ask you're for the not, same you're thing. Not very good. You've, got, you've got two axes here. You say you've got an X axis and a Y axis. So the speed of light would be defined as a 45 degree angle out from these. As you begin to approach the speed of light, these axes begin to converge so that at the speed of light, you don't, you just have that, that one axis, you, that one axis, you actually lose the manifold that you're mapping things on, i.e. you couldn't go faster than the speed of light. To go faster than the speed of light, not only would they have to converge, they'd have to come back out and go negative. And you, yeah. you, you, the math would just be so far removed from right. what we observe in our reality that it just wouldn't make sense. All right. This that's that's special relativity, not this general relativity. This conversation is over. You obviously don't know general relativity. You're trying to I'm by no means an expert on it, but I have a pretty, uh, you're, you're I not, would argue, a decent understanding of it. Yeah. Then you need to go read up on it, sir, because you don't well, know it. I mean, I can give Einstein's field equations just from memory. I mean, g mu nu plus lambda g mu nu is equal, is equal to 8 pi g over c to the fourth by t mu nu, and can in fact describe what each of those tensors represents, or tensor equations. I yeah, it all, it all it shows me is that you studied the equation pretty well, but you didn't study well, of course, the theory. You, that, that's right? literally the what you... General theory says light is not constant. There is an uh, ether, and material objects can go faster than the speed of and, light. Uh, I, I did and study the equation. You can read this little book here called when, of when, when you study general relativity, you kind of have to study the equations because yeah, those are the physical right. yeah, the And in, in, um, in John Carroll's book, Space, Time, and Geometry, an introduction to general relativity, he talks all about, you know, you've got, you, you got to know what, the, you know, differential geometry, all that fancy math stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You literally can't. Yeah. do general relativity without the math. Do you ever hear of Hans Thuring and Joseph Lenz? Hans Theory? Hans Thuring. T-H-I-R-R-I-N-G. Hans. I feel like that would probably be pronounced Hans Thuring. And no, I haven't heard of that. Okay. Joseph Lenz, which was his confidant. Did you, have you ever heard of him? I have not. Have you heard of uh, Julian Excuse Barber me. and uh, Bertati? 
uh, the, the name Julian Barber rings a bell, but I'm probably not thinking of the person okay. you're, you're uh, speaking of. Barber and Bertotti wrote a famous paper showing how Einstein's field equations can be turned into a geocentric universe. No, no, I, I have yeah. heard of that. I haven't looked into it myself, but I, there was an, oh God, who wrote the article? Uh, it wasn't Nathan Siegel. Oh my God, who was it? Uh, maybe it was Paul Sutter. I don't know. There was somebody, a PhD astrophysicist wrote an article about, I think it might've been Paul Sutter because I think I read it in space.com. Anyway, and they, they, they went through, obviously very, very simplistic for a lay audience of why that doesn't work. I probably couldn't tell you why off the top of my head, I'd have to look it up, but you don't seem to like it when I look things up on the fly. So I, I'll respect you and not do that. Yeah, obviously you haven't read their paper, so. We'll move on. Well, I would imagine if their papers were rigorous uh, and peer-reviewed and actually yeah. overturned, they probably would have won a Nobody Nobel overturned Prize them. for doing it. Nobody overturned them. Well, All so right, then why, why, is it not the, why is it not the standard model of, of physics then? Because nobody wants it for the same reason I told why, you before. Why, why do physicists not want it? Why, why do they care? Because nobody wants the Earth to be in the center of the universe. That's why, why, don't phys why don't physicists want that? Why would, why would physicists care? Because it smacks too much of God. That's well, you, wait, hold on, my, my friend. You, you do realize that most physicists on the planet believe in a God. So why would they not want? Uh, no, that's not true. No, it, it is true. Now, no, the, the, the belief in God is less amongst scientists, especially physicists, than it is about the general population. But there are still slightly more physicists and just scientists in general that believe in God than that don't. That, that is a fact. I can cite no, no, that is not a fact. I can I cite can from Pew Research Center. I, right now, I, I did the research uh, from the Scientific American. Ninety percent of the scientists out there, the big name scientists, are atheists. Well, that would be big name scientists. That's not an accurate. Yeah, well, they're the ones is. who make the movies and write the books and who we're talking about. Well, okay? no, actually, a lot of scientists that aren't big names teach in universities or doing research. Yeah, and it's and, and sixty percent of books. those don't believe in God. So the the odds are not. Great. Uh, actually, I've I've know quite a few who who are. I I know quite a few who aren't. But I and there's there's yeah there's a few out there that are yeah definitely. yeah well I'm just telling you what I've read in the books from Stephen Hawking and all the other guys they all say well no that would uh, make it look like there a designer was behind it put it in the center because I can't explain it on the any other way that it got there that's what their explanation is I don't think that's what they're saying but like I said earlier you are entitled to your own opinion. Well, of course, we're all entitled to our opinion. Let me go back to a couple of other things you said, because I want to go clear ahead. these up so there's no misunderstanding. Um, you said that Kepler's model um, challenged Tycho because uh, Tycho didn't have elliptical orbits. Well, there was a guy named Rinuccini who came along after Tycho and put elliptical orbits on Tycho's orbits, and everything turned out just like the Keplerian system. So again, showing the equality between the two systems. It was it was actually all three of Kepler's laws that don't comport with with a Tychonic model, and then Newton's laws of motion could be used to derive Kepler's laws, thoroughly corroborating the validity of both and describing aspects. Yeah, of because they both reality. stuck. They both stuck with the solar system and avoided the rest of the universe. That's the problem with both Kepler and Newton. That's what Mach came along and told us two hundred years later, that you can't arbitrarily dismiss the rest of the universe in your in your equations to see what goes around what 
Okay, that's what started well, Einstein on we, this whole kick. We, we can. We don't need to know what Sagittarius A star, the black hole at the center of the Milky Way galaxy, is doing to predict the orbit of the moon around the no, Earth. No, but you need to know whether the universe can move or not. If you exclude it from moving in your equations, then you've, you've made an assumption. Well, that's because the equations aren't excluding anything. They just don't seem to indicate what you're concluding yourself. No, the equations don't conclude anything. They're what they're the numbers that you put onto your observations. And if your observation does not include the rest of the universe, then your equations are going to be faulty. That's why F equals MA doesn't work when well, they set it, satellites it, up. It does. No, it doesn't. They have to add in the centrifugal and the Coriolis force to make it make them work to get to where they're supposed to yeah, be. Yeah, like F equals MA, the, the actual equation is a little bit more than that. And it involves some, some calculus and you know taking taking derivatives and, and things of that nature. Yeah, so yeah. F equals MA is generally it's it's like if you've if anybody's ever seen a depiction of say schrodinger's equation which is f equals ma for quantum mechanics that you often see like h psi equals what is it? h psi equals e, e e psi which is a a, a rough generalization of a, of a much more sophisticated equation f equals ma is the same e equals mc squared is the same they're, they're generalizations of those equations because it's just easier to in, in, a, in a general sense that's why we generalize them it's easier to work with them yeah. But when you actually get, when you're actually like doing derivations of these equations, you don't work with the generalizations. You work with the, with the, what the actual equations yeah. are. In other words, you have to add in the inertial forces, centrifugal force, and Coriolis force, and Euler force. Well, now, why that's important is because when you have a rotating universe around a fixed Earth, the angular momentum of the rotating universe is going to create those very forces. So we don't have to add them into the equations. They're already there in a geocentric universe. Um, well, first, I just wanted to say one thing. It's, it's, it's Euler, not Euler. It's pronounced yeah, I'm Euler. Sorry, Euler. Um, yeah. And of course, those forces would have to be in, included into them. That's generally why we like to use special relativity, because it's an extension of, well, not just Newton's laws, but of just classical mechanics in general. In other words, Newton had a defect that Einstein had to improve. Oh, well, yeah, we, we all know that. Newton's. Okay, it's, so where did he get it from? He get what, it from what, the fact that he that what, he just it, had the solar system it, as his, as his uh, well, little. That's mom. not what it is. It's it's mainly that one of the biggest issues was that. Um, well, he had Newton, Newton had two defects. He had number one with relativity that he had space time fixed and immutable, and we know space and time. Well, number one, they were separate and immutable. We now know they're combined in one manifold that can be bent and stretched and twisted and contorted. So it, it's Newton is not wrong. It's just his Newtonian mechanics, which I guess you could include classical mechanics in there, is an approximation of both relativity and then some say something like quantum mechanics for things that a aren't moving close to the speed of light and b aren't really 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 really, really small yeah. so newton was not wrong he was just he was on the right path he just what didn't have um, access to a, enough technology to make the observations that would have brought him to relativity yeah. and what i'm saying to you is jumping into q a in, in just a minute guys in his, in okay. right on sound good that he would have not had a problem well, we'll jump into it. Want to say thanks so much, everybody, for your questions. Our 
guests are linked in the description. So if you'd like to hear more from them, you can hear plenty more from our guests by clicking on those links below. Also, a couple links to after shows are also linked in the description. I think it's Crafty Kila is hosting one in which I think they said that both of you, Leo and Dr. Robert, are invited. And then also they had said that in the other one, Speed of Sound of Gravity, they had also said that they're hosting an after show, which is linked in the description as well. And Marty Camijo says, yay, Leo. you got a fan out there, Leo. Mike Billars, thanks for your super chat, said, let's see. Wow, this debate is one facepalm short of a flat earther. Ooh, controversial. And Sunday Warship says, how does Dr. S account for the predictable annual meteor showers? They're the same in the geocentric and heliocentric system. There's no difference. Gotcha. Thank you very much. And Cider and Port says, after show on Crafty Kila's channel, Leo, we want you or want you on to chat if you're down. Link is sent to you on Twitter. Oh, okay. So, speed of sound. Poggers. Of, speed of sound of gravity said after show on speed of sound of gravity. Can you check your email? I definitely got that for you. Speed of sound. So that's in the description as well. El Spigato, thanks for your question. Said Doctor Sun Genesis. Sun Genesis. Uh, gosh, Sun Genesis. <laughs> Thank you for your patience. Says, are there any recent models or diagrams for the geocentric universe that you could point us to to help laypersons like me to understand how the thing you've described works? Yeah, go to uh, our website, journeytothecenteroftheuniverse.com. We have a flash drive that has over 60 animations of the geocentric universe, not just the solar system, geocentric universe uh, or a system, but the, uh, the whole universe rotating you know, everything that i talked about tonight is on that flash drive in animations and we've done a lot of work to uh, put those things together for you so take advantage of it thanks so much and want to kick take a quick moment to remind you all if you have not heard actually this is a new one we are now on audible and amazon music for our podcast so this debate will eventually be in the podcast format and want to let you know folks we are on virtually every major podcast if you can't find us on your favorite podcast app let us know. We will work hard to get on there for you. Next, El Spigato. We got that one. Oliver Catwell, thanks for your super chat. Said, start 2021 on a positive note. Do something nice for someone. Give a random compliment and hit that like button. Thanks, Oliver, for your support. Really do appreciate it. And Mike Billar says, could, could Dr. Sungenis please, please name a couple of the 60 possible reasons that he thinks redshift occurs i've already given several of them gravitation is one uh, cosmic dust is another um you know the guy who, who did this was sandage uh what's his first name um famous physicist um s-a-n-d-a-g-e is his name i forget his first name he's the one to put the list together Gotcha. Thanks very much. And this question comes in from Maynard Saves, who says, Leo Phileas, the most brilliant Bobby Dazzler of them all. What is a Bobby Dazzler? Is it's a Bobby Dazzler! If you watch The Curse of Oak Island, you, you know Gary, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll know it. For anybody out there in the audience. I'll have to see it. Next, thank you for your uh, Super Chat Space Monkey says, 
Leo has a broken epistemology. We know the Bible is true, so start with the conclusion, Psalm 104, verse 5, then work to make the evidence fit. The Bible comes first, evidence second, silly atheist. This has to be a troll, because they spelled atheist yeah. wrong, but I don't know for sure. That, that, <laughs> um, that, that just... reeks of troll. <laughs> okay, next up, El Spigato. Thank you for your questions. As this is a stick-up, everybody summarize Hubble's teaching right now. So uh, give a chance to Robert, and then we'll kick it over to Leo to explain, or I should say summarize, Hubble's teachings right now. Yeah, um, I'll just repeat what I said before. Read Hubble's 1937 book, The Observational Approach to Cosmology. In there, about a half a dozen times, he says that the redshift puts the Earth in the center of the universe. He doesn't like that. So how do we get away from it? We create a balloon universe and put all the gout. In, in creating a balloon universe, what you're doing is you're taking the center out because a balloon doesn't have a center. It just has a surface. So if you put all the galaxies on the surface and you blow up the galaxy and have it expand, all the galaxies are going to move away from one another and they're each going to see a redshift from every other galaxy. So that's how he explained um, redshift from a non-geocentric viewpoint. And then, um, what's his name? Lemaitre came along and said, well, if we have an expanding universe, then what happens if we, if we reverse it? Well, we go back to a cosmic egg. And he believed, uh, you know, he basically invented the Big Bang Theory. And then, um, um, what's his name? Um, uh, Eddington came along and said, well, he didn't believe in the cosmic egg. So they had a little tussle between themselves. And then Fred Hoyle came along and put the words Big Bang onto Lemaitre's theory. And that's how we got the Big Bang Theory. And uh, from that, you know, we had Penzias and Wilson come along in 1963, who claimed that the cosmic microwave background uh, radiation was the remnants of the Big Bang. Uh, but then we had some other things happen, and this is what our movie is all about, the principle. Uh, the, um, the, they sent up three probes, one in 1990, one in 2001, and one in 2009. The uh, Kobe probe, the WMAP probe, and the Planck probe, and they all came back with evidence that the Earth was in the center of the universe. Why? Well, because the cosmic microwave radiation wasn't isotropic and homogeneous. It was anisotropic and inhomogeneous. And it was uh, aligned with the ecliptic of the Sun-Earth, uh, which they call the axis of evil. And that has not been disproven because they had three space probes up within 20 years showing that it existed. Thank so there's you. another piece of evidence. So. Um, the Big Bang Theory is on its way out. I give it another 25, 30 years, and it's going to go kaput. Thank you very much. And Leo. So I don't know what the Astra meant by, <clears throat> excuse me, Hubble's teachings. Um, but what Hubble observed, independent of his own personal opinions, whatever they may have been, was that distant galaxies, this isn't galaxies close to us, this is very distant galaxies, appear redshifted their their light is redshifted and he thought well, well that's rather interesting maybe you know it could be like robert said it could be due to cosmic dust but then he noted well wait hold on here the further away they are the redder they appear and it, it's directly proportionate there, there's a linear relationship there so it, it seems to me he said that the, the galaxies themselves are not moving because the, once we start getting further and further out, galaxies are moving at speeds that galaxies just wouldn't be capable of moving at. It's, it seems as though 
the, the space between us and the galaxies is expanding. And naturally, the further away a galaxy is, the faster it's going to move away from us because the more space there is in between us to expand. Similarly, if you put a bunch of dots on a balloon and blow up the balloon, and you take two dots that are close together, they'll move apart pretty slowly. But if you take two dots that are further apart, they'll stretch apart more quickly because there's more balloon to be stretched in between them. Uh, George Lemaitre came along and ended up developing the Big Bang model, like he said, which we don't really call it the Big Bang model. It's, it's the Lambda CDM model because it incorporates both dark matter and dark energy, lambda representing dark matter and CDM standing for or dark energy and CDM standing for cold dark matter. Uh, the cosmic microwave background is essentially experimental confirmation of the Big Bang because it shows that the universe started out in a very hot, very dense state. The cosmic microwave background are the photons that are left over from the period of recombination, roughly 400-ish thousand years after the Big Bang, when photons decoupled from matter and were capable of actually moving through space-time without being absorbed. Prior to that, the universe was too dense, too hot. It was a plasma. Lights just... It's sort of a hot soup between protons, electrons, and photons bouncing off of them. So the universe expanded, cooled down, matter formed, uh, hydrogen atoms, which is another reason we know the Big Bang happened, the abundance of hydrogen. Um, and the one, the one more thing I wanted to, um, to comment on is I actually have a link from Science Magazine titled, It's Official, You're Lost in a Directionist Universe, from September 7, 2016, that mentions the axis, axis of evil and actually shows that, no, there is no axis of evil. Next up. Thank you yeah, very much. Wow. Got to jump to the next one. Mitchell says, question for Leo, can the brain waves or ear sound waves and the visual spectrum expand? If so, why can't the universe do the same and retain coherence? I have no idea what they're even trying to ask. I have no idea what they're trying to ask. I can read it one more time. I said, can the brain waves, ear, parentheses, sound waves, and the visual spectrum expand if so i think that he's saying like they can expand so why is it that the universe can't expand and still retain its coherence as well i when he says its coherence i don't know that the universe is expanding gotcha it's because of the stretching of those 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 light waves that we know that the universe is expanding Thank you very much. Mike Billars, thanks for your question, said he said it, quote, an Earth in the center of the universe. They're skeptical, but I, I guess we'll, we'll let you make the, your own decision out there, folks. Uh, Mike Billars is skeptical, though, and Michael Dresden. Okay, that's another troll. Uh, Chad Eckerd, thank you for your super chat, said this isn't the red shift you are looking for. Thank you very much. I love the Star Wars reference. Any Star Wars reference is good here. Luminiferous Ethan says, to the geocentrist, if Earth is at the center, why does the planet Mars retrograde? do a loop in the sky over time how does that work well if you can look at a geocentric animation that we have the ones that i said I, we have 60 animations on our flash drive it'll have geocentric retrograde and heliocentric retrograde and you'll see by very simple just reversal of the uh, of the earth and the sun that the, the same retrograde is going to appear in the geocentric universe that appears in the heliocentric universe. Gotcha, and thank you very much for your question. This one comes in from El Spigato. says, I suspect Dr. Sun as a, is a crypto uh, flat earther. Everybody vote now. I don't know what crypto in this context means, but I think they're asking if you're a flat earther. 
uh, I gave that in the beginning of the program, I think, uh, when I said, Flat Earth is Wrong. I wrote a 700-page book titled Flat Earth, Flat Wrong. Uh, but what I did say is, it's not as easy to get to the right position as some people think that it is. Um, and I gave the example of looking over the, the Lake Michigan uh, and seeing the Chicago skyline. Yeah, it does drop 900 feet under the ground. Uh, and so how do you explain that? Well, do you explain it because, you know, uh, or, oh, I'm sorry, on normal days, you can't see the Chicago skyline. On some days, you can't especially in April and May. So why is that? Is the earth flat? No, it's because of uh, atmospheric aberration. Because of the temperature between the water and the air, it changes sufficiently enough to bend the light so that it appears that you can see the Chicago skyline. You can't get to that position unless you do your scientific homework. And that's why I'm saying it's a little hard to get to the position that the earth isn't flat, a lot harder than some people think, although I'm not a flat earther and never, and never have been. Gotcha. Thank you very much. Mike Billars says, Doctor, if I show you the source code to my working GPS receiver, which shows relativistic corrections, will your... They said... I think they're saying, will this make sense under your view? How do you explain this under your view? Yeah, because the, <laughs> the relativistic... Uh, uh, corrections that you're seeing are just the product of the Sanyak correction that they put into the GPS. You see, because they know that light does not travel the same speed east to west as it does west to east. So how do you compensate for that? There's a 50 nanosecond difference between the speed of light in one direction and the other. Well, you, you program the computer with a Sanyak correction, and then it comes out that the speed east to west and west to east is the same. But it's not because the light speed change, it's because the, they changed the computer program to make it look that, like that. And that's why you get a relativistic effect. Gotcha. Thank you very much. And thank you very much for your next question. This one coming in from Remnant Art, who says, Dr. Sanjenis, I don't believe you. Science never proves anything. It develops models. Let's see. Uh, I'll give you a chance to, if you disagree or not regarding whether or not science develops models if you want a chance to respond yeah yeah i i think he's getting at a good point um special relativity is a model of the universe general relativity is a model geocentrism is a model we see the empirical evidence but we have to interpret it and sometimes we interpret it based on our presuppositions our biases our prejudices information that's not complete information that is faulty and so the model that we make from the empirical evidence that we see is going to be subject to all those little follies and foibles that we have in our minds about how do we interpret this evidence sometimes we hit it right a lot of times we hit it wrong okay but each of us is going to make a model of what we interpret that evidence to be saying to us but we may be wrong in interpretation you bet. Thanks very much. And thank you for your super chat from Nephilim Free. Says, thanks for all that you do. I appreciate your positivity, Neph. Thank you. And thanks, everybody else, for being so positive in the chat. We appreciate all your encouragement, and we're excited about 2021. Next up, 
Daver, thanks for your question, said, If everything in the universe is expanding, how could asteroids and meteorites crash into planets and moons? I think they're saying, like, if the universe is expanding so quickly, it would seem that they would never be able to make it to being, or I should say, if these, you could say, items or objects are expanding so quickly from each other, how could they ever make it to actually colliding with each other as they're moving through this expanding away space? I'd like to add to that and say that if the universe is expanding, why don't we see our solar system expanding? Why don't we see our galaxies expanding? They're all, all the right. same size. We'll give you they a were hundreds of years ago. Just so we don't, right? I'll let's give up, uh, give Leo a chance uh, for these both these objects as well as why it doesn't appear that our solar system is expanding, Leo. Can you uh, reiterate the question? Sure. So I just want to make sure I understand it. Correctly. They had said, if everything in the universe is expanding, how could asteroids and meteorites crash into planets and moons? Um, well, everything in the universe isn't expanding. Space-time is expanding. It's undergoing a metric expansion of its scale that is only measurable over vast distances on the order of tens of millions of light years, if not hundreds of millions of light years. Objects in space-time are not expanding. Space-time is expanding, and since those objects exist in space-time, the space-time is carrying them with them. Like, if I take a piece of paper and I drop it in a river, the paper actually technically isn't moving relative to the river. It's just being carried by the movement of the river. Gotcha. Thanks for that. And then Cider and Port, thanks for your question, said, did this doctor just say we don't know how gravity works? I took an edible earlier, so it could be that it's playing with me. Let's see. So they're they're skeptical about your idea that uh, regarding gravity. Yeah. So Einstein's theory, uh, where space is bent, first of all, that begs the question: if space is just space time, then what's bending? That's number one. Oh, space time. But it's just a theory. Okay. Nobody knows why an apple falls to the earth. Newton <sighs> thought he might know, might have to do something with ether. We can tell you how fast it's going. And we can tell you what the escape velocity is, nine, nine meters per second per second. And we can tell you that the apple falls 32 feet per second per second, but we can't tell you why it falls. What is the mechanism that's pulling that apple or pushing that apple? We don't even know if it's a pull or a push. And there's all kinds of theories out there. There's hundreds of theories of gravity out there. Our, um, uh, even quantum mechanics has its own theory of gravity, quantum loop gravity and superstring theory and all that kind of stuff, which goes entirely against Einstein's view of gravity. But you have to understand these are all theories of what makes one object attracted to another or what's pushing one object to another. Nobody knows, nobody has proven what the real cause of gravity is. Gotcha, and thanks so much for your question from Ray Callaher says, Electromagnetism is literally caused by relativistic length contraction. I would be happy mm -hmm. to explain this to both debaters any time. Well, I already know what he's talking about. He doesn't need to explain that to me. Yeah, well, he would need to explain it to me because relativity was not designed to answer Maxwell's equations. Maxwell's equations are still used today. Of course. Uh, you. He has two basic equations, and they, they both – one says – uh, one thing, the the other says another thing. It tells us how uh, an induction coil and a magnet work together, and they both have different equations. Well, how can that be? 
all you're doing is moving an induction coil around a magnet and then you're moving the magnet around the induction coil but you have two different equations for that yeah that's the way nature works why because it's not relativistic it's absolutistic that's the whole thing that maxwell gave us einstein didn't like that so he tried to relativize maxwell's equations because if, if we're going to have relativity explain the michelson morley experiment will it better darn sure explain maxwell's equations too you see they, the, the deeper they dug their hole, the further they fell into it. And until today, Einstein is, you know, his own theory contradicted his, his previous theory. General relativity contradicted special relativity because special relativity went off the wrong track right from the get-go. Gotcha. Thank you very much. This one coming in from El Spaghetto says this is another stick-up. Are either of you selling a book? Please answer. <laughs> I have, I have plenty to sell. Here's one for you. Geocentrism, geocentrism for dumpskies and smart kids. Thank you. And El Spigato strikes again, says G-Man wins. Everybody, everybody pack up and go home. G-Man's one of our regular debaters. Although we haven't had, it's been a long time since we've had G-Man on. So G-Man, we hope you're doing well. Leo says, you know those balancing birds? Doctor is likening the the Doctor Robert is likening the universe to that, where the Earth is the bird beak. Center of mass doesn't have to be massive. That's right. That's why I told uh, Leo, Leo that you could have the center of mass for a universe without having anything in the center. Same difference. You could put the Earth there, have mass. nothing there. The universe is going to rotate around the center of mass. Gotcha. And this one comes in from. Cider and Port says, uh, said, Dr. Robert, where did you receive your doctorate? Calamus International University. I wrote Thank a you. Seven, 700 page dissertation over three, about three years. I uh, got my PhD in 2006. Thank you very much. Mike Billars, thanks for your question. Said, Leo, you know those balancing. Oh, we got that. Uh, Decepticons Forever says, let's see. Just trolling. And uh, Remnant Art, thanks for your question, says, Dr. Non-Genius. Oh, you got quite the skeptic out there, Robert. Let's see. They say, you are, they, uh, we got a lot of trolls. They say, you are coming across like uh, very defensive when Leo gets into specifics. This is typical for conspiracy types. Is this the case, Robert? Do you think you're getting defensive or do you think that you are not? Uh, I think it's just a stereotype. Thank you. Thank you. Mike Billars, thanks for your question, said, so your argument is, quote, all science that disagrees with me is conspiracy by atheists, and all science that blurs into my view is right because of God. Uh, no. Thanks, Mike Billars, as well, for saying, let's see, Robert, does your belief in God hinge on geocentrism? For example, if heliocentrism was proven to be uh, proven to be true, would you still be a theist? Yes, I would. God can make the universe any way he wants. Gotcha. Thanks so much. Space Monkey, thanks for your question, said, for Dr. Sungenis, if the Bible instead had poetic descriptions of heliocentrism, would you still believe in geocentrism? If no, what then would you do with all of your evidence for geocentrism? Well, see, that assumes that poetry in the Bible is, is fictional. 
It's not. Most of the quotes in the New Testament to verify New Testament truth come from the Psalms, which are all poetic. The, the only thing about poetry is it's put in rhythmic language with cadence and rhymes and things like that, but it doesn't mean it has any less truth than something written in prose. Gotcha, and thank you for your question on this one. Coming in from Mike Billar says, Well, the doctor is right, I guess. I just deny geocentrism because I hate God and I love my sin. <laughs> Thanks for your honesty, Mike. And yeah, next there are up, some out there that do that, I'll admit. Next up, uh, El Spigato says, Honest question, who is they? I think he's, they're meaning like if, if anybody refer to people as like they like don't want the truth out or something like that or they don't, maybe it was the idea. I, I'm not exactly sure who they is either. You guys know what that context is? Uh, I can't remember now. I, I do not. Gotcha. And this one comes in from, I think I had read, yeah, we read Space Monkeys. Thanks for that. We read Mike, let's see. Andreas Elda, thank you, said, Dr. S, how does Alpha Centauri manage to travel a 25-light-year cycle every day? Hint, they say, very much faster than the speed of light. Oh, yeah, anything past Saturn is uh, going to go beyond C. Uh, because of Einstein's general relativity theory. That's what we spent the whole time, basically, on in this uh, debate. Einstein says because of relativity, the Earth is fixed and the universe is rotating around it, or the Earth is rotating under a fixed universe. Take your pick. And if the universe is rotating around a fixed Earth, obviously then Einstein agrees that material objects and light have to go faster than C. Uh, yeah, C yeah. is only for light speed that's uh, near near the Earth or on the Earth. That's that's where they've measured it. And I would agree that that light near the Earth or on the Earth is 186,000 miles per second. Gotcha. And I just wanted to say really, really quickly that if the speed of light is not constant, the fundamental constants that govern pretty much all of reality and like almost all of quantum mechanics would also be wrong. And those are those are confirmed to many more decimal places than either general or special relativity. Gotcha. Well, and talk thank about, you. Talk to Einstein about that one. Thank you for your question. Mike Billar says, uh, let's see. Can we all take a moment and appreciate how devilishly good-looking James is? Like I said, we've got a lot of trolls. James, is that a new blazer? No, it's the same blazer. I'm telling you guys, wall, you, Goodwill, any sort of thrift shop, you can get men's blazers for like five to eight bucks. It's tremendous. And I haven't been able to see your picture here all night. I just see your name. Oh, that's right. That's. I've only got, because I'm on the road, I am currently, if you see the video after, it looks like I'm in a bunker. I uh, don't have both of my cameras, but I'm wearing a blazer and my, uh, just a, a T underneath, but I am, yes, I do love blazers. There's no doubt about it. And Silver Harlow, thank you for your question, said, Dr. Robert, what novel testable predictions can your model make that might falsify it? None that I know of. We've been through them all. We've passed every one. Gotcha. And Mike Bellars, thank you for your super chat, says, I guess we all just took edibles. Gotcha. Well, <laughs> not me. I Next, Animated Effigy, thank you for yours, says, Dr. Religious Studies, here's the one who wants to impose his beliefs on science. We're not even the center of the galaxy. 
how can we be the center of the universe? So we'll, we'll give you a, a chance to rebut any one of those points if you'd like, Robert. Well, yeah, obviously uh, we're not the center of the galaxy, but the galaxy does rotate around us. I mean, the, the galaxy can rotate around us if we're on one of the outward spiral arms of the Milky Way. It doesn't make any difference. Obviously, we don't want to be in the center of the Milky Way. Otherwise, we'd be burning up. Um, and what was the other thing, Doctor of Religious Studies? Um, well, you know, religion and science, uh, at some points, they converge, they overlap. And we're talking about one of the places where they do overlap. Uh, this was a religious issue uh, back in the 1600s with Galileo, as much as it was a science issue. Uh, with uh, people that came before, um, they had a philosophical preference for either a geocentric or a heliocentric universe. They, they, they speak about that. So um, these, again, are places where the two sciences or two uh, ideologies converge, and we have to discuss them at those points. You got it. And thank you for your question. This one coming in from Anime. Oh, I think we got that one. Let me go to this next one. This one is from Dean Kruger, who said, where is Dr. Sungenis published? Uh, you can go to robertsungenis.org or .com or .net. So that's my first and last name, .com. Uh, or you can go to journeytothecenteroftheuniverse.com. Thank you very much. And want to remind you folks, few things. One, our guests are both linked in the description. So if you would like to learn more about them or about their ideas, you can go to those links and read or hear plenty more. And also, we have those after show links, which are in the description as well. Also, we will be right back. We're going to take a short intermission, and then I will be back with some epic new announcements. I don't know if you guys heard the huge news today, but we are thrilled that we have reached our Kickstarter goal, and we are creating a stretch goal. So we are going beyond that original goal, and I would love to hear your guys' ideas as I'm seeking feedback on like what kind of stretch goal might we do, stuff like that. And so do stick around. We will be back in a few minutes. But first, I want to say thanks again to our guests Robert and Leo, it's been a true pleasure. Thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight and making your case on Modern Day Debate tonight. Great. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Follow me on Twitter, peeps. Thanks so much. And as mentioned, I will be right back, folks. Thanks so much. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? 
my guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.